0: This is Sports Better Court with Dan Lust on Better Sports Network.
1: Welcome to Sports Better Court. My name is Dan Lust. As you can see, we got our budget up here. It's Judge Lust. Judge Lust. Uh, sports Better Court, we talk about the intersection of sports, law, and gaming. Obviously, first part of the show, we'll talk about the intersection of sports and law and then we'll talk some sports betting. Uh, this week, sports law is all centered on East Lansing, Michigan. The controversy surrounding Mel Tucker and we'll say some unique allegations of sexual assault. a kind of, he said, she said type deal. Uh, for those that have not been following, uh, this is a dispute between Brenda Tracy, a national sexual violence prevention advocate and Mel Tucker be now, I wanna say suspended. He's on administrative leave coach of Michigan State. That is Mel Tucker. So if you hadn't been paying attention, Michigan State has hired their old coach, brought back an old friend, Mark D'Antonio, uh, while they're kind of sussing out what's going to happen with Mel Tucker. Um, Mel Tucker, if you're not familiar, uh, signed a huge contract. I believe it was 10 years, a little in excess of, of $90 million. About $80 million is still left on that contract. So the question is, what happened between Mel Tucker and Brenda Taylor? Does it rise to the level of cause, the capital C, cause to terminate his contract and not pay him another dime? And before we get into that controversy, the Big Ten has had its fair share of controversies, lacking transparency and raising a lot of questions. Right. Go back to Michigan State. Right. With Larry Nassar, once upon a time, the question is, if a sexual violence incident comes up, is Michigan State going to be transparent about it? When the Big Ten canceled football back in 2020, were they transparent about it? The answer is absolutely not. And it took lawsuits by Nebraska uh, and mostly Nebraska players in order to get some level of transparency, even though I don't think we got all of it. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Northwestern. What happened with that saga? Didn't Northwestern know about these hazing allegations for some amount of time, be it months, if not years, and then all of a sudden they fire their coach? So what exactly did Michigan State know prior to this leaking out? That's really the question here. Without getting into all of the messy details here, that's not what we do in this courtroom. People can Google it for lack of a better term. Brenda Tracy, as I mentioned, is a national sexual violence prevention advocate. Um, according to the report, she had been at Michigan State um, to speak to the players twice, to be a uh, an on-field, I guess, an unofficial honorary captain at another event, and uh, there was some communication between Brenda Tracy and Mel Tucker. Now, some people are phrasing this, and as I said here, as some form of a he said she said. Exactly what happened? It's not quite a he said she said because Mel Tucker is admitting to the underlying act here. Again, we don't talk, we don't get too much in the uh, in the weeds here on on our show, but this is a case of. Um, We'll say uh, consensual or non-consensual phone intercourse. I think we can say that on our show. Uh, Mel Tucker has admitted to doing the act. The question is whether or not it was consensual. Now, on lust for law, we don't just tell you. Know, we don't just recap the news. We talk about the law here. The devil's in the details when it comes to Mel Tucker's contract. Now, an act right of moral turpitude, an act that results maybe in a crime. Yes, that's certainly going to act as cause under most contracts. We don't know the specifics of Mel Tucker's contract at this point. Then, and then there is an act, sometimes in these kind of, you know, morals clauses, an act that causes great embarrassment to the university. Um, that's going to be very relevant here. Again, we don't know the language that's in Mel Tucker's contract, but very different. An act that causes, you know, embarrassment to the university can certainly be a consensual act. Question is who you believe here. Is it Mel Tucker or is it Brenda Tracy? Uh, we are going to find that out. It's a hearing that's scheduled for October 5th. Um, the question is, and again, not to get too far into the weeds. This hearing is scheduled for October 5th. We are just finding out about this now. Mel Tucker was placed on leave going ready, basically in the season. So we talk a lot about, you know, at least I talk about it in my world, in my kind of legal practice world, the transfer portal and NIL. Brenda Tracy lodged this complaint in December of 2022. There are some reports that an investigation was conducted and completed by July of 2023. So why is it taking until September of 2023 for Mel Tucker to be placed on leave and there to be put a hearing on the calendar. Maybe for the players' sake, they should have known this about ahead of time. Maybe us and the public, we should have known about it ahead of time. But what we're seeing very similar to what we saw in Northwestern, the school reacting to the leak of information. They're not reacting to the initial investigation. They're not placing a player on leave pending, or a coach pending the results of the investigation. They're not really doing anything until there is public outrage concerning a leak. Now, again, we've got to worry in the Big 10 about transparency. We might get it here as a result of this hearing, but we certainly weren't going to get it but for this league. Pay very close attention to East Lansing and this question of player fairness. Will the players, will the Michigan State Spartans be able to transfer, depending on the results of this hearing, depending on the results of this coach, um, Mel Tucker, if he's no longer with the university? We're really worried about player fairness. Again, we talk about Brenda Tracy, we talk about Mel Tucker, but the players are the ones that are harmed here with the inability to transfer mid-year and maybe their playing time impacted by a new coach bringing in potentially a new system that has been lost for law. And that is our world of sports and law. Now we head to the gridiron of sports betting, a great show for you guys today. Some incredible litigants when we come back. Oh boy. We got a
0: big one. We got a big card here. We got, Oh baby, let's go. We got a super rookie. Do you guys want to guess?
2: Uh, who the big 19...
0: the big card super rookie is because I'm gonna exciting. guess somebody
2: from the Dallas Cowboys, but I don't recall who were rookies in those particular years. So Troy I'm gonna guess Michael Irvin. Adam. Jared kind of convinced me to go Troy Aikman there.
0: I'm gonna read the description. In this player's NFL debut, September 10th, 1989. He produced an electrifying 68-yard punt return for a Deion touchdown. Sanders. He became the first athlete in the 20th century to hit a home run September 5th, 1989 for the Yankees at Seattle and score a touchdown in the same week.
2: Uh, that needs a sleeve. That I one needs a sleeve.
0: Top 100%. super rookie neon primetime Dion Sanders. No, I you know, was wasn't that far you, off. Too. He played for the Cowboys.
2: I was going to say Dion, and then when you said the early 90s Cowboys, I'm like, oh, Aikman would be a good guess. So I, I, I go at your gut is the lesson there.
0: And there <laughs> it is, the white and red Falcon jerseys that you said Dion came in with before they changed to black.
2: That, yeah, that was because the starting lineup for Dion his rookie year has got the red helmet with the white jersey.
0: Now, look at that do. I that, mean, are you kidding me with that hair?
2: I mean, you got to have a headband that. with those little curls. You got to.
0: That is sick. Uh, and this is uh, a favorite card. Do we have any value on this card? We have to, right? let me see. Deon Give me Sanders. a value here.
2: Uh, let's see here on eBay. PSA ten gem mint. Deion Sanders one forty nine ninety nine, and then a, a nine point five, a six bucks. So that guy might be a little bit, uh, yeah. Then there's a much more reasonably listed one at thirty one dollars for a P- uh, PSA ten. So it's got some value to it. Yeah, you might want to uh, protect that one
0: it's in excellent condition i guess we have to worry about is it centered
3: yes uh, that would be the next thing
0: uh, all right well we'll go through the process there maybe i'll just frame that one as a great moment uh in this show's history
4: (laughs) is now in session it's time for tonight's litigants first can't miss mitch Can't Miss Mitch provides value index algos outputs on each game to help you thrive in office pools and betting. Become a member on the Bet the Algo Patreon page. Catch Mitch on social media at Bet the Algo. Next, Ed Arzuman, a.k.a. Big Zoo, producer at WFAN. Follow on Twitter at ZooBeard77. All rise for the Honorable Judge Dan
1: Lust. Welcome, can't miss Mitch and Big Zoo. I think this is the first time in our show we haven't had legal names for our litigants. But I guess we'll make an exception. I can't fault either of you because you both did it. Um, So I think you guys know the rules at this point. We got three, maybe three. Let's see if anybody sweeps the first two rounds. But potentially, potentially three betting lines here. Um, First one, right? Uh, We just had week one of the NFL season. Uh, Some people overreact to lines. Some people, um, you know, maybe you can get a little, uh, little bit of an action here. Um, I will let you guys pick this. We have a massive slate of NFL games this weekend. I'm looking to both of you for the best bet of week two. Can't miss Mitch, uh, a man of international mystery. Where does your bet take you for week two?
5: Gentlemen, how are we doing? And your honor, good to be here. We are going to go. call me
1: your honor. It's very important.
5: (laughs) Uh, We're going to go with the Raiders plus nine and a half. You look at absolutely what happened to Buffalo last week. I think there's definitely going to be a reaction where you think there's going to be a reversion to the mean and Buffalo is going to get back on track. But here's the thing. Yeah, Buffalo ranked extremely high in points per game last year. Their yards per play metric was pretty average. The Raiders defense, I think they're going to force them into some longer drives This is going to limit Buffalo's scoring ability. This is certainly too many points. Most importantly, Your Honor, when we did the model analytics and we ran the data for this, we had four and a half points of value on the Raiders. The model predicted that Buffalo would win 21.76 to 17.23 That's a lot of value for us, so we're gonna get behind the model and take the points. The data doesn't lie, Your Honor. Ever.
1: I like how you brought in this model. Who's making this model? You or this mystery experts here?
5: Uh, We actually created the model. It's been going on for seven years. uh, Last year,
1: did you say it was your model?
5: This is my model.
1: That could be bias. I don't know if I'm willing to accept that. It was an independent party. Maybe, maybe. Big Zoo. Who do you like here?
6: Um, In this game, right here, guys, and Your Honor. Thank you for having me as a part of this today. Good manners. Very good manners. Oh, I – in terms of the Buffalo game, I do have to be honest. I side with Mitch there because – I'm not buying the Bills. I think there's a lot going on there. I think there's some issues that are going to start to rear their ugly heads as the season continues. And I think Josh Allen is completely off. Zoo, let this, me stop
1: you. Let me stop it, you. The point of this is to beat Mitch, to pound him into submission. Don't agree with him. His pick oh, sucks. Your pick's about to be much better. Don't forget well, the rules here.
6: This is what I'm saying. Your honor, because I, I, I don't want to touch that game because I believe the best bet on the board this weekend is the Arizona Cardinals getting five and a half points right now versus the New York Giants, who I mean, that is a team that is in complete disarray. They have injuries to potentially losing Andrew Thomas on an offensive line that is already pathetic beyond belief going up against the Cardinals defense that came out last week against Washington and got, I believe, six sacks. Taking the doors off of this Giants offensive line on Sunday is what I see from Arizona. And they'll do just enough with Josh Dobbs as quarterback to be able to beat the New York Giants. So not only do I believe the five and a half is an incredible bet in and of itself. I think that you can right now grab the Cardinals with the money line and you can make yourself a nice little Sunday dinner. On the boys okay
1: so um let's talk some some actual numbers here again uh unbiased numbers mitch no offense but yeah we gotta talk unbiased numbers the week one look ahead lines for each of these okay raiders where he's seven and a half point dog so down that number has risen to nine okay based so on basic math nine minus seven and a half it's a one and a half point move you guys are gonna like this cardinals once upon a time week one we're a four-point, a four-point dog. So we have equal one and a half point line move. So I can just assess who has better value here. Um, I'll say this: uh, Do I think the Bills probably should have won that game? They played, I think, they played a good Jets team. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk about it later in the show if we get to round three about Jets lines. I don't think the Giants are quite a team that's going to lose many forty-to-nothing games. Very similar team to last year. Basic construction, same coach, same quarterback, a lot of the same weapons. Um, I was surprised that line only moved to one and a half and that makes me very, very suspicious. Okay. Mitch, I'm going to go back to you here. Um, do you think that the bills just are, are not ready to play? I mean, I didn't see much from the Raiders that and I really like them here, but um, you know, I, I think that if people were watching that Monday night football game. I think if the bills win, this line is very different, but what are your thoughts on the bills though? Independent of the Raiders.
5: Yeah, sure. i mean, this is an ex- explosive team. Josh Allen is elite. Uh, The guy threw three interceptions. I agree. And so ultimately, when you look at this game and you look at how the Raiders actually held their own uh, against a Denver team that I thought should have won, but clearly we are going back to the Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos of 2022. I thought we'd move forward from that. Uh, First off, I just want to make one clear distinction. The data is the data. So there's no independent uh, you know, or, or dependent data coming from me. So the data is the data, the model analyzes the data and it is a complete third party. So I just wanted to make that very clear distinction, but here's the thing. I think what we've seen when Jimmy G is going to be healthy and in the game and away from the extracurriculars that Vegas presents, Uh, he's going to be able to provide very similar numbers to what we saw last year out of car and they were middle of the road offense. So I really think that can continue. I think these guys can hang around. This is just too many points in the NFL. You look at a terrible team. Look, I'm going to make a comparable here, a terrible Houston Texan team that had a very similar line last week against the Baltimore Ravens who were in control and Texans still had an opportunity to backdoor cover. I don't think this game gets to that point, but certainly I will have that insurance in the event uh, that the Raiders are down double digits. I really like more the value of the points versus against or for a team.
1: Um, Big Zoo, question. Did the Houston Texans cover against the Ravens? No. They did not. Interesting argument, Mitch. Interesting argument. Big Zoo, uh, listen, Cardinals, Giants, uh, I guess this comes down to, and I want to make sure we we you know kind of stay within the bounds here. Um, I heard you say that you thought the Cardinals outright could beat the Giants. Is that mm-hmm. is that your you feel pretty confident of that? Let me hear it. This is a final word here.
6: Yes. I think the Cardinals do beat the Giants. And I think uh, just to the point before that we're talking about the lines moving right now, I think you're going to see some line movement this weekend when it finally gets announced that, you know, uh, and listen, this is just a prediction. It's not any type of spoiler. Yeah, exactly. When Andrew Thomas is ruled out and Darren Waller is put on a snap count or potentially ruled out, that line is going to drop from five and a half. So you got to hit that thing right now. And if you, li- if you like them like I do on the money line, because that defensive line is going to have themselves a day, hit that too, because I know I am.
1: Um, okay, I think we can wrap this one here. Both arguments good from both sides. And sometimes just because I pick on the arguments doesn't mean I don't necessarily agree. I just want to see how, how strong you're feeling in your point. Um, I'm going to give round one, a very close one. Uh, Ed, I'm going to give it to you. You uh, listen, listen to the background here. Ed, you're a producer at WFAN. You know the Giants. This is your home. This is your home turf here, and you're betting against your team, thinking that the Cardinals entering the season as the worst team in the NFL with a four and a half win total versus the Giants. I think they were seven and a half. You, you're thinking of an outright win, so I'll give you points for the confidence. I'm not sure I'm betting either of these games, but I'll take the confidence. And Mitch, I, listen, I I was someone that lost money on that Baltimore Ravens game, so. Uh, You brought up nightmares of my past, my heart palpitations. Um, Okay, hang here. Round one goes to Mitch. Uh, We are in the midst of fantasy season and DFS season. Start a seven-day free trial of Fantasy Alarm's All-Pro subscription, which includes week two DFS content and picks for free. Go to fantasyalarm.com slash NFL. Okay, case number two. Listen, we have three rounds here. It's best two out of three, so can't miss Mitch. You might have missed on the first one, but you might hit on the second one. We never know. That's why we play best two out of three here. Again overreactions, underreactions. I'm looking at the board for QBs to lead the NFL in passing touchdowns. Just looking at the board in terms of top odds, you see Patrick Mahomes at plus 250, Josh Allen at plus 600, Joe Burrow plus 700. Those top three options all had down weeks, leaving the board open for anybody uh, after those top three to come in and win this award. Um, Let's start, Ed, you won round one. Who do you like as your best bet to lead the NFL in passing touchdowns moving forward.
6: Now, listen, Your Honor, with all due respect, those three names that you just dropped on us are three incredible quarterbacks who will all put up really good touchdown numbers this season, probably all get over 30 but there's one guy that you did not mention who is severely undervalued in an offense that is going to have to do a lot of work if they're going to win the division that I think most people believe that they're going to and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback one Mr. Trevor Lawrence who currently is valued at 3500 plus 3500 and I mean I'm all over it I've been all over Trevor Lawrence leading touchdown passes this entire offseason I buy into Calvin Ridley I buy into Christian Kirk I think they have an incredible offense and it's such a bad defense that they're going to have to score they're going to have to go out and they're going to have to put up numbers so you're going to see Trevor Lawrence getting multiple touchdowns a game and he's going to have big 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 weeks like this one coming up here against Kansas city, because I think this is probably the turning point where people start to view Trevor Lawrence in a different eye. And just looking at the guys that we mentioned, Patrick Mahomes. Well, hold there
1: for a second. I, I yeah. like the pick on Lawrence. Let's give Mitch's the floor here. Uh, and let's, let's see who he's got before we trash the other picks.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, I got to go with my boy Mahomes. I have I a feeling this is where the, this was going here. Oh. I, I think it's cute, you know, taking a plus 3,500 and, and taking a flyer. We're, we're looking at sure things. And when I'm looking at sure things, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they've got uh, the fourth or fifth hardest NFL schedule. You talk about tight games, Jacksonville not having uh, potential defense, so they're always going to be in the game. Kansas City is going to be playing some very difficult teams. They've got a tough road ahead of them with the best quarterback proven year over year, period. And so when I think about how Kansas City Chiefs, where are they going to be uh, in game-time situations? They're actually going to be in the game, and Mahomes is going to have the ball late. I'm going to take the plus 330 money, and I'm going to feel very good about it.
1: I think the current odds are plus 250, but it's right in that ballpark. Okay, so, Ed, this is where, uh, and I I love these dichotomy. Uh, Anything you give me with plus money, I, I mean, any but any bet with plus money, I have to consider. So, yes, 350 is a... I was surprised when I saw Lawrence at 350 next to Lamar Jackson at 30 to one and Brock Purdy at 25 to one mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson at 25 to one, Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. at 14 to one. Trevor Lawrence seems improperly priced. Put it that way, um, Ed. I don't know the answer to this. What was Trevor Lawrence at the beginning of the season? What were those odds?
6: Um, I believe he was at plus 3,000 when the season started. So he's mm-hmm. actually gone up about 500. If, I, if I'm correct. Um,
1: okay, so here here are the numbers again, uh, Mitch. I like this. We're looking just looking at data. Uh, in 2022, Trevor Lawrence, as a sophomore player, well, at his largest touchdown number of his career, that number was 25. Okay. It's a full time start. He started 17 games, 25 touchdowns. In Patrick Mahomes' career, uh, he's never had less than 26 touchdowns. So he had 50, 26, 38, 37, 41. And those are in some uh, partial years where he missed time. So at plus, plus 250, plus 330. No matter which way you slice it, I have not seen the ceiling on Trevor Lawrence that we've seen on Patrick Mahomes, for really the last four to last five years. Um, Mitch, I'm going to come back to you here. Um, Trevor Lawrence, though, I do think is not properly priced. This is really a question for us fellow degenerates out here. And the judge, I guess we can be a degenerate in real life. Um, do you? What do you think about Ed's point that just the number is so far off on Lawrence that he should be much closer to the Tuas at eight to one, or that Justin Herbert's at ten to one? Then with the Lamars, the Jimmy Garoppolo's, and the Jared Goff's took close to 35-1. That seems like it's strong value.
5: Sure. Uh, but to me, if you're going to look at value, do you go plus 3,000 if you want to you know, tail off from the marquee player and Mahomes? Uh, look at Tua. But odds are that he stays healthy. I mean, <laughs> you know. I don't, so- like Tua.
1: I don't like Tua for the record. I've, I've been very clear on this. Yeah. I said he'd
5: be out of the league in two years, but we're talking about value. So um, if you want to move away and deviate from that, but look, plus 3000 is a big number. I just, I don't see it. I really don't. I think, I think there's other plays out there. Dak plus 3000. I'd rather have my money on Dak Prescott than Trevor Lawrence at plus 3000. Just saying, or Joe Burrow. Or Joe I,
1: I don't mind it. Okay. Ed, let's, let's go back. We'll play a little devil's advocate here. I'm looking at the board and I cut you off before you were about to, uh, Talk some smack about Mahomes, Allen and Burroughs. So we can keep it isolated to Mahomes here. Mahomes at plus 250 is a guy, mind you, that led the NFL in touchdowns last year. 41 touchdowns, 12 picks. And he's done it twice in his career, 50 touchdowns back in 2018. Um, what is to say that Mahomes is not going to lead the NFL in touchdowns again?
6: No, I mean, listen, it, it is a, it's a logical bet. I mean, Patrick Mahomes does his thing every single year. He is the greatest quarterback of this generation and his generation. But that Kansas City Chiefs team just has too many unreliable pass catchers from what I saw on opening night, and I don't think that can necessarily be fixed very easily. And I think he's going to miss out on a lot of opportunities to have those four touchdown games that he has had so frequently throughout his career because of the guys that have been able to help him out, And whether it be Tyree Kill or Sammy Watkins or missing Kelsey for a game or two here and there. It's going to add up. And Kadarius Tony is going <laughs> to continue to become one of the uh, public enemy number ones in Kansas City. I'll tell you that because he is not somebody that's reliable and not somebody I trust. And when I look at the Chiefs receivers right now, that's all I see is a bunch of unproven, untrustworthy guys who are going to potentially cost Mahomes a couple of touchdowns here and there.
1: Um. Okay, I'm ready to render my verdict here. Um, Ed, I think you're falling victim here. Small sample size. Every year we come in and we say – Let's just wait for Mahomes to have a bad game or two, and then you bet him to win MVP, which he's done. He did it last year. We had one bad week, right? He didn't have Kelsey for that first game. I think reports are that Kelsey is supposed to be back this week. But last year, if you can lead the NFL in touchdowns after losing your top weapon, I don't think we can bet against Patty Mahomes. So... Plus 250, plus 330, I think one week in, I'm certainly not ready to bet against the King. I do like, again, another tough round. I do like Trevor Lawrence's odds at 35-1. to 1. He's never had a guy, speaking of top weapons, he's never had a guy like Calvin Ridley. But at plus money with Pat Mahomes, I don't think you can bet against it. Can't miss Mitch. You did not Mitch this round, or he didn't miss this round, or Mitch it. I think either of those works. Um, we'll give you round two. Um, and, yeah, we will see you back for round three when we come back.
4: Let's go to the running back report right now uh, and talk a little bit about Christian McCaffrey here, that the Niners are gonna take um, Christian McCaffrey off the field more than the Panthers did. Um, and, and I can't, I, I mean, I think it was a Niners coach or, or maybe, it was, maybe it was a Niners beat writer Graziano himself talked about like, th- this could be an epic thousand yard, thousand yard season. And I'm scratching my head like, how does this work
3: if, if he's gonna be playing less, but he's putting up better numbers? Where Where's the disconnect in here? The answer uh, actually came out on DraftSharks.com earlier this year because I wrote the early round bust article. And I, now that the season's starting, I'll go ahead and reveal that it was oh, Christian McCaffrey. How about that? Ooh,
4: early round bust, first round bust, Christian McCaffrey this year.
3: Matt, enlighten
4: us on why he is Draft Sharks' first round
3: uh, first round bust. This is the first reason uh, what we're talking about right here because the Niners for the first time in his career have reason to not overwork him. The reason that Christian McCaffrey was so dominant in Carolina was because he was the offense. He was the leading receiver and the, le- the leading running back. He got a ton of touches and he delivered with them. We already saw him in San Francisco get fewer touches than what he got in Carolina. He had his fewest receptions. He had fewer receptions per game last year for the Niners than he did for the Panthers. He had fewer touches when Elijah Mitchell was on the field he had fewer touches when people was on the field they just have a lot of guys to give the ball to and they have every reason to lighten his load a bit and I'm not saying that that's going to make Christian McCaffrey stink But if we need to take a guy in the first half of round one, we need a dominant running back, especially a running back because he's one of the few running backs up there. He has to be a whole lot different than the running backs that we can get in round two. And I just think that the work he's going to get is not a whole lot different than what Tony Pollard's going to get and not enough different versus the other guys behind them. And then there is that bit of injury risk. We have the injury predictor on draft sharks and it does show he's not atop the position in injury risk and Austin Eckler is up there as well, but it is above an 80% chance that he misses some time. Um, we haven't projected to miss 2.2 games for the season. So it's just when you get more touches, I guess if he beats that first concern of ours and does get more touches than we're expecting, what he also does is increase the chance that he gets hurt because that's just a fact. The more you touch the ball, the more likely you are to get hurt. So just when we combine all of that with the price of where you have to take him in the first half of round one amid this, you know, land of high target wide receivers, there's bust potential to him.
0: All rise for sports better court with Dan
1: Lust on Better Sports Network. And I like it. I like it. I like it. We are back for round three. If you have not signed up for FanDuel, up to twenty five hundred, no sweat first bet by using fantasyalarm.com slash FanDuel. Gentlemen, we arrive, like we do somehow each and every week, at our round three bet. But this one is where the marbles are one, right? You guys got the kinks out for round one and round two. How good you're going to argue, how to make your points, how the judge feels today, how his hair is looking today. Looks like I was a little bit of like a wind vortex. So, you know, it is what it is. Judge Les is here. Round three. And let us go to the biggest story in the world of football. Aaron Rodgers and the involuntary transition to Zach Wilson. So uh, on my various platforms, I gave two best bets for the season. I gave uh, the Rams over six and a half wins and which I like, I like. And I gave the Jets under nine and a half wins. So even though I am a fellow New Yorker, um, I said, Aaron Rodgers is 40 years old. He just had one of the worst years of his career. If he gets hurt, if I don't wish will upon anybody, you're back to the Zach Wilson era. And the guy is 40 years old and had his worst season of all time. Let's not jump over. So I'm not like doing backflips here that I got it right. But like, you know, kind of got it right. That said, that said. The Jets just won a crazy game last night. Zach Wilson has shown he's a little bit better than he was in years past. I look at these lines. I want to see how the world is reacting. The Jets line going into last night as a week one team was nine and a half wins. And I was a little bit surprised. I looked last night and the Jets are an eight and a half win team. So I find this line to be peculiar. Like they were a seven and a half win team with Zach Wilson Is Zach Wilson worth one more win? Is last night one more win? Is the team going to respond? I'm not sure. Uh, Can't miss Mitch. You guys are hot. The the team of can't miss Mitch is hot. I will let you take the first shot of this line. Do you like the over or the under eight and a half New York Jets wins?
5: Well, I like the under here. And first off, I thought your take on the Rams over six and a half. I thought that was outstanding. I love, love that bet. I said the same thing in our over under preview. So completely agree. Here's the thing. Compliment
1: the judge. Compliment the judge. It's very smart.
5: When you look at that number, nine and a half with Rogers was minus 145, Mm -hmm. right? So there was heavy action on over. What disrespect to the AFC East. The other thing, the AFC East has the hardest strength of schedule out of any division in the football league. And when you look at this, the real question isn't, uh, is, is, is Aaron Rodgers worth an extra few games? Now you're getting the same Zach Wilson. Sorry, but he looks like the same guy. The Jets did not win that football game. The Bills lost that football game. So when I look at this schedule, forget about all the early statistics. Uh, I think they've got you know a, a rush D very early. Look, their D is impressive. We know that. We've seen it. The question is on offense, and that's what killed them last year. And on offense, we haven't changed any of that. Okay, he's got more weapons, but I saw some very questionable throws that he made. One got picked off um, by Milano, and I, I, I looked like triple coverage. I think anybody, uh, Judge Ed, myself, my dogs—they we would have caught that ball. They gave it to us, so I think Zach Wilson will continue to make mistakes late. When you look at the division foes, I don't think that they win another division game. I really don't. I think New England now is superior without Aaron Rodgers. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult. And then you look at the end of that schedule uh, and some of the away matches... I mean, they, they look very difficult. Denver, Dallas on the road, and Denver doesn't look that good, and I think Denver beats them, right? Let's, so, let's,
1: let's hold here. We don't need to go through the whole schedule. Ed, Ed, so uh, you listen, you have the, the privilege of going second, so you're involuntarily put into the over position here. Are you buying the Jets, or did we just force that down here?
6: Um, I am buying the Jets, and – called me a little bit cautiously optimistic about what this team can achieve based Wait, off Wait, very of...
1: important. Are you a Jets fan or Giants fan? Cuz I assumed you were a Giants fan before and I oh. might have done this thing.
6: You did you did you did assume incorrectly, but it's okay. Oh. No, a, I don't I don't we I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to correct you. <laughs> uh, that was a smart but move. okay. Go ahead Jets. And fan. now And now, to be fair, this could be a little bit biased, but I don't believe it is because I like to look at everything with my awful teams that I root for in my life very pragmatically. So when I look at this Jets team, what I see is an incredible defense. I see a terrible quarterback. I see two top ten running backs in the National Football League and an offensive line that's not very good in pass protection but has the potential and has shown you that they can be elite in the run game.
1: Wait, can I can I just stop you? You said something crazy. The judge has to stop you. Two top ten running backs. Who are the two? I I gather one is Brees Hall. You think Dalvin Cook is, is a top ten running back?
6: I think if he can get it once he gets himself back to going, yeah, absolutely. Once he gets
1: himself back to going, okay. It's been a I, I'm I'm a Dalvin guy. It's been a couple of years. I bias might have been showing on that one. I probably would have figured it out. Um, OK, let's see here on, on Zach Wilson. And here's the real question, right? There a seven and a half win team. You're basically saying an open, you, the over was trending, as Mitch, you pointed out. It was trending towards a 10 win team. And yes, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that won back to back MVPs two of the last three years. I don't know. Could he add two in? Sure. Zach Wilson, we have a very small sample size. We forgot to talk about one thing. Mitch, I'm going to give it back to you on this. Um, yes, we can talk about interceptions and completion percentages. There was a touchdown caught by Garrett Wilson that should not have been a touchdown. should have been an interception. So those numbers are a little bit deceiving. So, Mitch, I'm leaning towards you. I'm not sure how this line only ended up at eight and a half, unless, unless, and this is the point I need you to respond to, unless you think that the Jets' defense is that much better than it was last year in a team that won, right, seven games. Maybe it is. Maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. Mitch, do you think that the defense is that much better to carry them and lift them to an extra win?
5: The defense is exactly the same and what you hope that the offense doesn't put them in as bad of positions to do what they do and with zach wilson i just can't get behind that offense putting them in better positions than they did last year
1: um and i'm going to give you the last word here you're the jets fan do you think that the jets defense is that much better people are talking about will mcdonald like he's the second coming is he i have no idea i mean sauce year two uh, the defense looked pretty good last night. Three picks, uh, granted, it's Josh Allen, but it made Josh Allen look terrible, which the Jets, you know, uh, Josh Allen's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. We just talked about this list, but he was supposed to lead the NFL in touchdowns. I might be buying that the Jets' defense is a tier above where it was last year. I might, I might buy it.
6: I think know. that the defensive line of this team is, I mean, without a doubt, Super Bowl caliber. I mean, it might not be the best in football, but it's at least one of the top two. And then you look at everything that they did last season. We talk about how good they were last season. Look at how many takeaways they had. They had about 14 and they had two and I believe the last eight games. So you talk about them being this great productive defense last year. They weren't necessarily that they get that uptick of turnovers from 29th in the league up to being in the top 15 top 10, which is where it has to be with the way that they talk about themselves being the 85 bears, which I do believe they have potential to be not that, but a really great defense, and that's why I think that overhits. This team has the potential to be better and get a lot better than it was last year, and the defense is supremely part of that. Seven wins with them, not getting pretty much any type of turnovers. I mean, you tell me they get it up into the 30s potentially, 20s, this team is going to be able to not only compete for a playoff spot, but probably be able to get in, especially behind a great run game.
1: Okay. Uh, this was the best bet. This is the tiebreaker. It is one to one. I've listened to all the arguments, take everything under consideration. I took into consideration, Ed, the fact that you, uh, it's actually called like non-feasance. You just didn't tell me that I was wrong. And I've talked to looking at Mitch who has a wall of trophies behind him. The guy must know what he's talking about. Um, and I, are you in a basement right now, Ed? Are you in a cave?
6: No, I'm in, uh, I'm I'm in my cave. I'm in my cave. I have it nice and blocked off over here. So, uh, I only have my one little, uh, uh, what is this called? Uh, the uh, circular the circular light. The ring light. The ring. The ring light. Relevant. Yes,
1: relevant analysis. The judge needs to know some additional ex- extraneous factors. Um, <laughs> I I uh, listen as a as a New Yorker. I listen to uh, WFN, your your employer over there. I listen to a lot of radio stations. I remember very well. Um, and I should ask you, Miss Mitch, where are you from? Are you New Yorker?
5: You know what? Originally born in Brooklyn, I'm but grew up in Boston. Grew up in Boston. Okay. Huge patriot. Homer. Okay.
1: And in, on the airwaves in New York, amongst all my various friend groups, the Jets, everyone was very optimistic about the Jets last year when they beat the Bengals. And then what happened was Zach Wilson kept playing so bad, and that optimism got turned into such negativity, a dark cloud around this team. Um, I am not buying that Zach Wilson is an improved player, despite what they might have told you on Hard Knocks. I think Zach Wilson's the same guy that he's been in year one, took a step back in year two. Uh, year three, I'm not buying it. So I, uh, as much as I was re- ready to slam the under of nine and a nine-and-a-half with an Aaron Rodgers, New York jets. I am not sure why this line is eight and a half. I'm going under. And um, I know you couldn't say that about your own team. So take no fault in it. Mitch, I'm going with you. You win two to one and the best bet. If I can find this line on a, on a very legal gambling platform, which I have not been able to thus far, well, listen, we don't can and don't uh, offshore betting, but if I can find it, the judge is going to ride with it. Um, so that has been our show. Ed. Great job. Mitch. Great job. Um, you guys know where to find everybody on social. You guys are both welcome back. Two of our best litigants that we've had on our show. Very cordial. Um, and, uh, Ed, it's okay that you still live in your basement. It's totally, totally fine. As long as it's not your mom's basement. That'll do it for us here on the Sports Better Court. Uh, stay tuned. From 7 at 7 o'clock, Lisa Ann does Fantasy Better with Lisa Ann and our friend Howard Bender. We'll see you back here at 7 o'clock. And we'll see you next week on the Sports Better Court.
4: Sports Better Court is now in recess. Join us next week, Wednesday at 6 p.m., where we weigh the odds and settle the score with the Honorable Judge Dan Lust.